0: This morning, we continue with our study on the book of Exodus. Love, God's love in action, true freedom. It outlines our own personal life as shown in the life of the Israelites. When God told Abraham that he would be a father of a great nation, he also told Abraham that your people will be in bondage for 400 years. Good, huh? I'm going to bless you, but your people will be in bondage. Hello? Is that really a blessing? Hello? So they were in bondage for 400 years. They were enslaved. God continued to bless them. His hand was upon Joseph, and the Israelites prospered. And then the king, who knew Joseph and who recognized Joseph's God, died. And then the Israelites, because of their number, became a threat, and the new Pharaoh put them to slavery. And they were enslaved 400 years. But then God called Moses out of the burning bush, and God used Moses. God used Moses to deliver his people just as he promised. He sent Moses to bring them to a spacious land, a good And fertile and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. This was his promise. So God revealed himself to the Israelites through those ten plagues. And God and Pharaoh, long story short, Pharaoh's heart was hardened and he would not let God's people go until the final plague was upon them, the death of the firstborn Then and only then did Pharaoh release the Israelites. But again, his heart was hardened, and he pursued the Israelites. And the Israelites were cornered. Behind them, Pharaoh and his chariots and his armies. In front of them was the Red Sea. So God told Moses, raise up your staff, spread out your hands. And then the waters of the Red Sea parted. Miracle number one. The even greater miracle, brothers and sisters, is that the Israelites, all of approximately two million of them, crossed on dry ground. Now, you've been to the beach, right? When it's low tide, and you come near where the waters used to come up, what do you find? Dry ground? Or mud. You see? It was not just the parting of the Red Sea that was a miracle. But the Israelites crossed on dry ground. And Pharaoh, because of his hardened heart, pursued the Israelites. And what did God do? He closed the waters. And the chariots of Pharaoh, the power of Egypt, drowned in the Red Sea. Now, some people are saying that, no, it's not really true. Maybe uh, it was the Red the Reed Sea, not the Red Sea. Well, that is even a bigger miracle. Because the Reed Sea only is about three to five feet deep. So how can the chariots of Egypt drown in three to five feet? Tell me. When God promises something, he will do it. Amen? He said he will deliver his people. And he did it. Now, from bondage, now they are free. But now comes the period of sanctification. From chapter 16 all the way to the end of the book of Exodus through chapter 40. The process of sanctification. The process of holiness. And we took. Chapters 15 and 16 last week, and Pastor Reggie shared with us, you can rest. Not rest, go to sleep. You know, cuddle up and just don't go to work and don't do anything else. But you can relax. You can rest. Because God's got your back. We Filipinos, we always like the padrino system, right? Who's got your back? Do you know someone? I got this problem. Well, brothers and sisters, I'm telling you this morning, God has your back. So there's nothing to fear because God's got your back. Last week we learned that in the process of going through the wilderness in Exodus 15, then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea and they went into the wilderness of Shur. And then they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Is that a problem? We have an abundance of water now. Even the stage has water. The plant is here because I have a bucket behind. We have water. But if you're in the desert, what would you choose? Food or water? Water. You can go approximately 30 to 40 days without food, but you cannot go without water for three days. Water. Is critical. Water is essential to survivor in the desert. And they were in the desert. They were already there three days. And what? No water. These are the same people who witnessed miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle until finally they're free from their life in Egypt. When they came to Mara, they could not drink the waters of Mara for they were bitter. Therefore, it was named Mara. So if you have a daughter, please do not name her Mara. They came to Mara. They found water. What was the problem? It was bitter. You cannot drink. Have you tried to drink salt water? You will die. Well, it's water, but it has a lot of salt. So you're not going to survive. You're not going to be able to process that either. Right? So they finally found water, but the problem is, water was bitter. What did they do? So the people grumbled at Moses saying, what shall we drink? Then he cried to the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree and they threw it into the waters. And the waters became sweet. Did God give them another miracle? But before God gave them a miracle, what did they do? They complained yet again. That's why time and time again, you'll read, as you read your Bible, that the Israelites are referred to as very stiff-necked people. They are hard to get the lesson. stiff neck They grumbled against Moses. And we know grumbling is a sin because all grumbling eventually goes higher and higher and higher and eventually all your complaints go against God. My friends, be careful. Grumbling is a sin. But even if these people grumbled, what did God do? God still was gracious to them. In a miracle, throw the tree into the water and the water will become sweet. Chapter 16, verse 2. As they traveled from Marah, the whole congregation of the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Grumble again. Now what is your complaint? The sons of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt, when we sat by pots of meat, when we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Now what is their problem? food. Did God not go with them cloud by day, pillar of fire by night? Yes or no? Yes. Did God not just turn the bitter water to sweet water? Yes or no? Yes. Now what's your problem? No food? And what's their attitude? You should have just left up, you should have just killed all of us when we were still in Egypt. At least in Egypt, we had meat. Even if at the it, even at the whim of Pharaoh he can kill us all, at least we had meat. Now you brought us out into this wilderness to kill us with hunger. My friends, if you do not believe the heart of God for you, no matter what God tries to do, you will not believe. You will always find something to complain about. They have already seen the salvation that God has given to them when God released them from bondage and all they can do is complain and grumble and sin against God. So what did God do? The Lord said to Moses, behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you and the people shall go out gather at this portion every day that I may test them whether or not they will walk in my instruction, whether or not they will obey. You see again the graciousness of God. People continually complaining but God continues to provide. I will test my people if they will follow. Every day, every day, There will be food. You gather enough for your daily needs. But what did they do? They gathered more than what they needed. So what happened? In the morning, thinking that they had supply, the worms, the maggots, ate their excess. But God also said, On the sixth day, When they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. Therefore, in today's calendar, Monday through Friday, you gather for your daily needs. Only for your daily needs. On the Saturday, you gather twice. Double portion. Why? Because on Sunday, which is our Sabbath, There will be no food. And what did some of them do? Some of them were so presumptuous, they did not gather double on the Saturday. It was there Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It's definitely going to be there Saturday and more so on Sunday. And guess what? No food. Some of them disobeyed the other way. Oh, since there's going to be no food on Sunday, I get I better gather as much. More than what I need. And what will happen if you get more than what you need? Maggots and worms. Why? And the Lord taught them a prayer so that they would not give up. Give us this day our daily bread. My friends, God wants us to depend on Him Daily. He said, I will put them to a test. I will see if they will follow my instructions and gather only for the day's needs. And the day before the Sabbath, they will gather twice. The Sabbath had not yet been institutionalized in Exodus chapter 16. Because the Ten Commandments have not yet been given. But God was already training his people. The seventh day is a holy day. It is a Sabbath unto the Lord. on that day you will do no work. You will not gather anything because it is a Sabbath to the Lord. You like tests? I don't like tests. But God will allow tests not to hurt us, but to mold our character. To change us from glory to glory to change us to be more and more like his son, Jesus Christ. I don't like tests, but we have to move forward. Exodus 17, and I have entitled my message this morning, Victorious Prayer. You want to be victorious in your prayer life? You want God to answer your prayers? Well, That's what we're going to talk about this morning. Let's pray. God Almighty, we thank you for your word. Thank you that we can preach it, we can study it, we can share it. And Lord, may all of us have hearts that are willing to listen to that still small voice. And as we listen to your word, Lord God, give us the humility and the grace and the desire to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Mara, there was water, but it was bitter. Next, there was no food, so God provided manna. They had no word to call it. If you were to translate it because they had no word, it's what you might call it. Because they had no word. What is this? A thin wafer tasting like coriander, but there was nothing ever like that. So they move on. Exodus 17, verse 1, Then all the congregations of the sons of Israel joined by stages from the wilderness of sin according to the command of the Lord and camped at Rephidim, and there was no water for the people to drink. Didn't God just give them a miracle regarding the water? Yes or no? Yes. Now, if you learn, if you trust God, if you've seen Him work in the past, should you have any cause, any reason, Why to doubt him when the same circumstance happens again? They don't really believe God. They don't really trust God. Because every time they encounter some kind of difficulty, what is their natural response? Complain. There was no water. Therefore, the people quarreled. Now grumbling, now quarreling. Very kind complain, and quarrel. People quarreled with Moses and said, give us water that we may drink. And Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? Do not put the Lord, your God, to the test. Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water and they grumbled against Moses and said, Why now have you brought us from Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? Very short-minded. Very forgetful. God just sweetened the water in Marah. God just provided them manna. And now no water? Grumble. Grumble. Quarrel. If you're God, I will just control, alt, delete. I will just reset all of you. It's a good thing. I am not God. Because our God is a gracious God. So Moses cried to the Lord. He prayed, he entreated the Lord. What shall I do with these people? A little more and they will stone me. You see the quarrel? Their anger? Now they want to kill Moses who lent them out of slavery. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pass before the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand your staff which you struck the Nile and go. Remember the first plague? Well, Not the first plague. The first plague was the snakes, right? The blood. What did Moses do? He got the staff. He put it on the Nile. And what happened to the waters? They turned into blood. The same staff. He said, take your staff, which you struck the Nile, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb. You shall strike the rock, and water will come out from it that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. Anyone here can pull water from a rock? I want to meet you. Maybe your name is Jehovah. Because only God can pull water from a rock. What did Moses do? He obeyed. He obeyed. Look at the promises of God. I will stand before you there. So God was with him. I will stand before you there at the rock at Horeb. You shall strike the rock and water will come out that the people may drink. And Moses did. Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. If you really trust God, If you really tasted God, you will trust him. You will not complain. You will not grumble. You will not quarrel. He named the place Massa and Meribah because of the quarrel of the sons of Israel and because they tested the Lord saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Is God really here or not? See, they begin to question the very purpose, the very character of God. Simply because they encountered some trial. Lack of water over here. Lack of food over there. But did not God supply their need for water and for food? But the moment something goes wrong, our knee jerk reaction is to complain. To complain. To grumble. We really don't trust God. Verse 8. Then Amalek came and fought against Israel at Rephidim. So they were there in that area where Moses struck the rock in Rephidim. And what happened? Amalek came and fought against Israel. Somebody was waging war. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose men from us, and go and fight against Amalek. Tomorrow I will station myself on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. Now Amalek, who is Amalek? What did Amalek have to do with these Israelites? Why is Amalek waging war on Moses and the company that escaped Egypt? Genesis 36 verse 2. Who were the Amalekites? Timnah, was a concubine of Esau's son, Eliphaz. And she bore who? Amalek to Eliphaz. These are the, wives, the sons of Esau's wife, Ada, who was Esau, the brother of Jacob, who is Jacob, the one who wrestled with God, whose name was changed from Jacob to Israel. Yes? In effect, you are somewhat related to this guy, and this relative of yours, you know in the book of Deuteronomy, we're not going there for the sake of time, said that the Amalekites were raiding the stragglers, those who stayed at the back, which are usually what? The elderly, the sickly, the weak. So, the Amalekites came and fought against Israel in Rephidim. So, what did Moses do? Moses said, Joshua, go and fight them. And then, I will go up to the hill. In English, galing mo, man. You're going to send us out? And what are you going to do? You're the leader, right? You're going to send us out? And you're just going to... Sit high, sitting there pretty upstairs? What's wrong with you? Let's read it again. Tomorrow I will station myself on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. Oh, you fight ah? Huh? Oh, you you fight ah? Huh? Okay? Uh, ako. How would you feel? When you're the leader you should be in front right? What did Joshua do? Joshua did as Moses told him and fought against Amalek and Moses and Aaron and her went up to the top of the hill. See Joshua is the head of the army so he was the he was the good strategist so he was the one who fought against Amalek while Moses With Aaron and her went to the top of the hill. And what was he doing there? So it came about when Moses held his hands up that Israel prevailed. And when he let his hands down, Amalek prevailed. So what was the physical posture of Moses while he was up in the hill? And for so long as his hand and the staff in his hand, the hand given to him that he used to strike Nile and to hit the rock. While his hands were up, what was happening in the battlefield? Israel was winning, right? Now those of you in school, punish. What will happen after a while? Your hands will begin to grow tired, right? And then what? What was the Bible saying? When he let his hand down, who was winning the battle? So if you want to win the battle, if you want to lose, very easy, right? You want to play with me? No. For so long as Moses' hand was lifted up, they were prevailing. For so long as his hands grow weary, And coming down, they were losing. Now, what is the significance of Moses' hands being lifted up? And what does that have to do with victorious prayer? What does the lifting of hands mean? Psalm 28, verse 2. Hear the voice of my supplications when I cry to you for help. When I lift up my hands towards your holy sanctuary. So what was Moses really doing? What? When he was lifting his hands, what was he really doing? He was praying. He was asking God to help. And while his hands were lifted up, Israel was winning. And while his hands were heavy and going down, Amalek was winning. Does God want you and I? to lift up our hands in prayer. Ay, Pastor, only the Charismatics do that. Only the Pentecostals do that, Pastor. We are evangelicals. We don't do that. May I share with you? 1 Timothy 2. Therefore, I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension. Is it appropriate for God's people to lift up their hands in prayer? Yes or no? Yes. Is it compulsory? No. Because God is more concerned with the attitude of your heart than the position of your body. You come into, some. to be honest, Val knows in CCF when it started. And then here. Right, Bal? And then over here. It's like a pledge of allegiance. And now, because we understand that when we raise our hands, God, I need you. Help me. And I'm not embarrassed to raise my hands when I'm seeking God. Moses, yes, he was up there. But his posture was indicative that he was crying out to the Lord, Lord, we need your help. And as his hands were lifted up, Israel was winning. And as his hands wearied, Israel was losing. Don't be ashamed to lift up holy hands in prayer. But Moses' hands were heavy. Then they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and her supported his hands, one on one side, one on the other. Thus, his hands were steady until the sun set. So, what happened? Moses, you sit down. But if I sit down and I bring down my hands, what will happen? No problem. Her, stay on the other side. I'll stay on this. So he had Aaron on one side, her on the other, and they supported the hands of Moses. And what happened? How long did they do this? Until the sun set. That's how long the battle raged. And at the setting of the sun, what happened? So Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this in a book as a memorial and recite it to Joshua that I will utterly block out the memory of Amalek under heaven. Some of you have prayer journals, right? To be honest, I don't really like to journal. But I can see its value. You have a prayer request, you write it on your journal. You did your devotional and God spoke to you. You write it on your journal. And then God answered your prayer. You write it on your journal. And then page after page as you do your daily devotion and quiet time and meditation and you list list your prayers and you list the prayers that have been answered and you're still looking at some of those prayers that have not yet been answered. And one day, when an adverse circumstance comes before you and the devil tempts you, you see, God really doesn't love you, does he? And then you go back into your history. You go back into your journal and then you see time and time and time and time again how God had been faithful to answer your prayer. Then you repent. God, forgive me for ever doubting you. I have this history, my journal of how good and faithful you are. Who am I to doubt you? As Moses continued to lift his hands up with the support of Aaron and her until the end of the battle and the victory came. And God told Moses, you write this down and pass it on. You tell Joshua, recite it to him. And what do you think Joshua would do? He recited it to the other people. What did these other people do? Tell them about it. Tell them about it. Tell them about it. Victorious prayer. And after the victory, what did Moses do? Moses built an altar and named it the Lord is my banner. And he said the Lord has sworn the Lord will have war against Amalek from generation to generation. The Lord is my banner. Jehovah Nisi. Numbers 21. When the people sinned God sent venomous snakes and those who grumbled against Moses were bitten and they died. And they went to Moses and, Moses, please pray to God that he might remove these snakes. For we have sinned against you and we have sinned against God. What did God say? Raise up a standard. Put a bronze serpent. Raise up a banner. Raise up a standard. And anyone who looked upon the standard, anyone who looked upon the banner shall be saved. And in the New Testament we read, Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, so shall the Son of Man be lifted up. When Jesus encountered Nicodemus, Nicodemus could not understand salvation. So God used an Old Testament picture from Numbers 21. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, so shall the Son be lifted up on a cross. Moses built an altar and he called it the Lord is my banner Jehovah Nisi those of you who have been with CCF for quite some time you know that song Jehovah Nisi reign in victory Jehovah Nisi reign in victory the Lord is my banner who is your victory? is it yourself? Your ability should be the Lord. Trust in the Lord. These people, these Israelites, time and time again, they saw the goodness of the Lord, but they didn't really trust him because every time something negative happens, complain, grumble, quarrel. So what application can I share with you with regards to victorious prayer. Number one, pray unceasingly. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-17 reads, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. Why? For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I don't have a problem with rejoicing. I just have a problem with rejoicing always. I don't have a problem praying, but I have a problem praying without ceasing. I don't have a problem giving thanks, but I do have a problem in giving thanks for everything. As Moses lifted up his hands, they were winning. As Moses put down his hands, they were losing. Pray unceasingly. Now, I'm not telling you to quit your job. Lock up your home because you're going into your prayer room until kingdom come. That is not what the Bible is saying. The Bible is telling us, use each and every opportunity as an opportunity for you to commune with your God. And do not let go until He has clearly answered your prayer. Pray unceasingly. Don't stop. Jesus taught them a prayer so that they would not give up. Don't give up. Never give up. Instead of giving up, may I suggest, give it up to God. Second application, pray for God's will. Many of us are frustrated with our prayer life and we don't seem to be victorious in our prayer life because perhaps could it be that you are praying not? for the will of God in your life? You are asking for something that is not in the will of God. And when you don't get it, grumble, complain, quarrel. Yes or no? Yes. 1 John 5. This is the confidence which we have before Him. That, if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Okay? So what's the premise? According to His will. Now, not only will He hear us, look at verse 15. And we know that He hears us And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from Him. Why? Because you are praying for God's will. And if it is God's will, will it not happen? Will it happen or not? Yes. Why? Because it's God's will. Now, if it is not God's will for you, will it ever, ever happen? Even if you do tantrum, it will not happen. Because it is not God's will for you. No wonder you're frustrated. No wonder you're complaining. Because what you are asking is not the will of God. But if you ask God, if it is your will, will you heal me? either supernaturally or through doctors God will you heal me in accordance with your will and if God decides to take you home is that really so bad where there will be no weeping no gnashing of teeth, where there will be no sorrow where you will walk the streets of gold not the boulevard of broken dreams the streets of gold Jesus is there. I don't care about the streets of gold. I don't care about the pearly gates. I want to be with Jesus. Heaven is only worth what it is because Jesus is there. Pray unceasingly. Pray for God's will. Pray expectantly. Which means you pray in faith. Ready na kayo. Chino. Deep, Hebrews 11 verse 1. What behold? Here we go again. Faith is the certainty of okay something like that. Okay. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the certainty of things not seen. When we pray, we should pray expectantly. Why? James 1, 6 to 8. But he must ask in faith. You don't see it yet. But you're expecting God to answer you. You're not seeing it yet. But he must ask in faith, what? Without doubting. For the one who dances like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. If your petition of, of God is not of faith, if you doubt that God will do it, you are tossed here and there. And what will happen? For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Are you praying for somebody to get saved? You're tired? Don't give up. Pray unceasingly. You're praying for the salvation of this person? You are praying for God's will because it is God's will that all men be saved. Expect God to do something. Pray expectantly. Some of us pray, okay, God, you know, Uh, you know, I need a job. I need to feed my family. So, can you please, you know, I'll do my part. I'll send in my resume. I'll attend the interviews. But I know you're mad at me, so it's never going to happen anyway. Hello. When you ask, do not doubt. Especially if you're asking for God's will. Because... I've just shown you that if you ask anything according to his will, not only does God hear, but he will answer. Pray unceasingly, pray for God's will, pray expectantly, and lastly, pray in community. What do I mean? Who was there with Moses? Aaron and her. They were helping Moses. In his prayer, I know my wife always prays for me, and that's why I, as often as I can, I send out the email blast. Hey, can you please pray for Bogie? You know he suffered a stroke. Can you please pray for George? You know he's in hospital. Praise be to God. I don't see him here, but he's out of the hospital. He was with his wife at the beach yesterday. You know, I don't know what kind of beach because it's raining yesterday, but you know, hey, no problem. But for me, I don't know about you. To know that I have you guys praying for me encourages me, keeps me brave to pursue, to press on. To persevere. Yes, Jesus said when you pray, go into your room. No problem. You can pray in private. No problem. Moses, did he pray in private? He prayed up on the hill. All the people were seeing him. And perhaps they knew he's praying to God. Why? Look, we're winning. Uh Uh-oh, we're losing. Up! His hands are... And what did they do? Sit him on a stone. I'll raise your hand up here to the left, on the right. And so long as his hands were lifted up, they were winning the battle. Why pray in community? Therefore, James 5.16, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. Does God encourage us to pray in community? Pray for one another. Why? So that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. Righteous man. That's why I shared with you, I want all men to pray in the sanctuary, lifting up holy hands without wrath or dissension. Unconfessed sin prevents God from answering you and me. So if you have unconfessed sin and your prayer is not being answered, guess what? You have to deal with your unconfessed sin muna. Pray unceasingly. Pray for God's will. Pray expectantly. And pray in community. And you will have victorious prayer. Was Israelite victorious? Yes. Why? Because there was a man of faith named Moses being helped by Aaron and her, entreating God to win the battle for them. The victory is ours when the battle is the Lord's. As I close, let me share with you a story of this man. No, he is not Popeye the sailor man. His name is George Mueller, and he is described as a man of prayer and a man of faith. In November 1844, I began to pray for the conversion of five individuals. I prayed every day without a, sing- without a single intermission, whether sick or in health, on land or on sea, and whatever the pressure of my engagements might be. Eighteen months elapsed before the first five was converted. I thanked God and prayed on for the others. So after 18 months, one and a half years, the first of the five that he had prayed for turned to faith in Jesus. All right? Five years elapsed. Then the second one was converted. I thanked God for the second and prayed on for the other three. 18 months. After five years, the second one got saved. Day by day, I continued for them, and six years passed before the third was converted. I thanked God for the three and went on praying for the other two. The two, however, remained unconverted. So how long has he been praying now? Six years. The first came to the Lord 18 months. The second came after five years and an additional sake, additional one, the third one, the other two remained unconverted. This is a quote. The man to whom God in riches of his grace has given tens of thousands of answers to prayer in the self-same self same hour on a day in which they were offered has been praying day by day for nearly 36 years for the conversion of these individuals and yet they remain unconverted but I hope in God I pray on and look yet for the answer they are not converted yet but they will be do you see my points this morning pray unceasingly what What else pray pray for God's will is it God's will that people will be saved yes Pray expectantly. You see, they are not converted yet, but they will be. He's expecting God to move. Why? Because it is God's will. This was the faith that carried him through every strained place. He met emergencies by asking, and in due time, God supplied whatever the need might be. How about those two? Those prayers for those other two, you might ask. In 1987, those two men, 1897, sons of a friend of Mr. Mueller's youth were not converted after he had entreated God in their behalf for 52 years daily. George Mueller died. And these two remain unconverted. I told you, prayers don't work. Pastor, he prayed for five. Why then only three get saved? See? But after his death, God brought them to the fold. How many of the five friends of George Mueller's youth came to know the Lord all of them how long did he pray 52 years how often daily don't give up don't give up you can have victory in prayer But you have to pray unceasingly. You have to pray in the will of God. You have to pray expectantly, don't doubt. And you have to pray in community. I'm going to do something. I'm going to stick my neck out. It's fine. But I want to try something this morning. I'm gonna ask everyone to please bow down your head and close your eyes. And I want, this is really up to you. Feel free, if you don't like, it's fine. I want you to share a prayer request. We don't need the details. Something just general. And share it before this community. Stand up, nobody looking around. Just stand up and blurt out what you're asking God to do. And then the rest of us who are listening will just agree with you and say, amen. Is that all right? We will pray in community. God, I ask in the name of Jesus Christ, That you bring salvation to my eldest sister, my third brother, and the sister who was born before me. This is your will and I pray this in Jesus' name. Anyone? No one looking around between you and God. So we can support you in your prayer and at least say amen. So be it. They'll give you time. Don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. God is here. Amen. God, you you told us you want all men to lift up holy hands in prayer. And I know, Lord God, that you have heard the prayers of your people. So we are committed to pray unceasingly, Lord, seeking your will. And in faith, Lord, we will expect the answer. But in the meantime, Lord... We will share our prayer requests with one another. Because through this prayer, Lord God, a community of prayer, we can really be encouraged to move on and move forward. Seeking your will, seeking your face. And you have promised us, Lord, that if we ask anything in accordance with your will that you hear us, And if you hear us, we will receive that which we have asked of you. For we ask this of you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Happy Sunday, everyone.